the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Remember, the crown of life is for those who endure on this side of heaven, not for those who escape. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with Pastor Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now, here's Pastor Steve with today's Core Truth. Yes, we can never listen and take the counsel of our advice of anyone over the Word of God, ever. The Apostle Paul even said, even if an angel of heaven comes down and preaches a gospel other than what I've preached, let them be accursed. This is what happened with the whole Mormon church, isn't it? Joseph Smith, the angel Moroni came down and gave him a whole spill of goods. Uh, well, that's contrary to the scripture. Excuse me. It's like, get out of here. You're not an angel from God. You could be an angel, but you're not an angel from God. See, so even if an angel from God comes down, we're not to listen if he says anything other than what God has spoken. So hear this clearly. Your horoscope, a psychic, talk show host, authors of books, even Christian books, writers, anyone who preaches behind a pulpit in a church, if what they say cannot be backed up with the written word of God, then do not listen to them. I don't care how many books they sell, doesn't matter. People will make life decisions on what their friend's opinion is. Oh, what do you think about this? I think you should do it. Okay, and then they make life decisions based on that. They will listen to talk show hosts or life coaches. We have plenty of life coaches today. Some of them call themselves preachers. They will listen to those people who tell them to what they should do. And, and that might not be written in the word of God. But the bottom line is this. We are responsible for the decisions we make. That's the bottom line. Now, well, yeah, but I listen to Pastor Sonso. It doesn't matter. You're responsible for the decision you make. That's why you must test the spirits to see if they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world, 1 John 4, 1. Do not listen to anyone but the word of God. That's why we must always balance what we hear against the teaching of the word of God. Then notice, once Hagar sleeps with Abraham, she despises Sarah. Oh, your man is now my man. Okay, it's like, so your man that was your man for all those years is now my man. Because I've given him what you couldn't give him. I'm pregnant, I'm going to have a baby, and you are now kicked to the curb, Sarah. That's how it came down. It didn't take long for jealousy to set in. And now Sarah, who came up with this shortcut herself the very woman who first suggested to her husband to go sleep with the maid in verse 5 turns around and blames abraham for the whole mess 
And she said, may the wrong done to me be all upon you. What did you listen to me for? And so, uh, uh, you know, but guess what? She was right. Because a man is held responsible before God for the decisions of that household. He should have said no, and he didn't. So as much as it looks like a joke that she throws it back in his face, it is true. She shouldn't have, he should not have listened to his wife on this because she was wrong in this. Yes, in times of confusion or times of despair or in times of uncertainty, those times when we don't have a clue what to do, we must do two things. Number one, we must seek the Lord. We must seek his will and from his written word. And number two, we must be willing to wait on the Lord for the answer. If you're going to take time to pray about something, then you better take time to wait for the answer. First, we must seek him. Like what we're told in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 6, it says this. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return to the Lord. And God will have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. He says, seek the Lord. Because God will listen to you. Listen, I can tell you this. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you came from. If you pray, the Lord will listen to you. If you pray, he will listen to you. If you seek him with a heart that is genuine and just like, oh God, I just want to hear your word. I don't know what to do here. But when you seek him, you better make sure that you're waiting and listening for the answer. Because he goes on. I I love that verse in Psalm 27, verse 13. And it says this. He says, I would have despaired. And thus I have believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. He goes, I would have despaired. I had no one else to turn to. But Lord, I came to you. So I'm going to wait for you. And I'm not going to move on this important decision. Look, I have kind of learned in life through the years. It's like, if me and my wife can't come to an agreement, I I kind of like, well, then maybe we just don't do anything then. You know, because I value what she has to say. And it's like, if we can't be in agreement, then I usually just don't do it. I just, I want to wait until the Lord puts us both on the same page. You know, and so it's worth to seek the Lord and then to wait for the Lord. But some might say, but wait a second, pastor, hold on. Abraham's been waiting a long time. Come on. It's been 10 years now. It's obvious he's not a spring chicken anymore. He's already 85 years old. Yet... We are never to forget these three things about prayer. Don't ever forget these three things about prayer. Number one, God will always answer your prayer. I Just know that. You pray, God's going to answer that prayer. You have to take that to the bank. God will always answer. Hold on. Number two, he will not always answer in our timing. So, you know, we're praying like, okay, Lord... I, I prayed, you know, well, I'm waiting for the answer. And sometimes you're going to have to wait. You're going to have to wait. It's not going to happen immediately. You're going to have to wait. And number three, you can guarantee this. God's not always going to answer the way that you want it answered. Because when we're praying, aren't we kind of praying what I want? Like, oh, Lord, open this door so I can do this. Oh, Lord, give me this so I can have that. Oh, Lord. You know, and we're praying a specific prayer because we want a specific result. God's not always going to answer the way that you want. 
So you might be saying, well, pastor, I've been praying for something for 20 years and I'm still waiting. What do you guys say about that? And I'm just going to say, well, 20 years ago, he answered your prayer and it was no. Okay. It was no. Okay. So it was no 20 years ago. It was no 10 years ago. It was this morning when you prayed it again, it's still no. Okay. So he was faithful. He answered his prayer. It was just no. See, we don't always like what the answer is because we're praying and we want the answer that we want. But God's like, I'm not going to answer that prayer in the way you want because that will hurt you. I'm not going to do that. Maybe there's some listening right now and you've been seeking the Lord and no answer has come to you yet. So you've decided to do your own thing for you have lost hope and now you're second guessing God. All I can say to you now is be careful. Be careful, for that's exactly what Abraham did here in our text. They jumped out. They took the shortcut. And now, guess what? They're paying a price for it. And it's a heavy price. His wife is blaming him. What did you listen to me for? What's wrong with you? Yeah, you didn't have any problem going sleeping with the wife. I didn't see you hesitating on that. You're going to sleep with, you know, the young maid. It's like, oh, my goodness. And each and every one of us today are paying a price for what he did. You're thinking, how are we paying a price for this sin? Well, listen to what God said about the son that would be born to Hagar. Look what he says here, picking up in verse 10. He says, moreover, the angel of the Lord said to her, what? Hagar, because she took off and ran because Sarah was treating her poorly because she said, your man is my man now. Okay, so he says, I will greatly multiply your descendants so that they shall be too many to count. She's saying this to Hagar. And the angel of the Lord said to her further, behold, you are with child and you shall bear a son and you shall call his name Ishmael because the Lord has given heed to your affliction and he will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand will be against him and he will live to the east of all of his brothers. Well, how'd you like to have that in your womb? Okay, you got the wild donkey in you, girl. And man, he's going to be against everybody and everyone's going to be against him. No one's going to like this guy. Yes, Hagar ran away from the miserable situation that she was in. She didn't like Sarah and Sarah made her pay for it. She treated her harshly. Yet notice back in verse seven, God found Hagar as she ran away. This wasn't his will. God didn't want any of this. She's just a, the servant girl, okay? And she got sucked into this whole drama thing here. And Hagar was now in the middle of it. And God, in his mercy and in his grace, reaches out to Hagar. Notice in verse 8, God said to her, Where have you come from? Hagar, where are you going? Where are you going? You, you ran away. You're in the middle of no man's land. You're over here by a willy bush here. It's like, where are you going to go? What are you going to do? Where are you going, girl? Think about it. I wonder if maybe you, like Hagar, are on the run today for some reason. Because maybe you're suffering from a shortcut that you took in your life. You, you made the shortcut. It was your plan over God's plan. Maybe it was someone else's shortcut, but, you know, you're paying the price for what their decision was. And now... It's costing you. I can just say this to you today. Don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. For even as God is meeting Hagar, 
he will meet you also. Yet now we get a sneak peek into this baby that's going to be born to Hagar. This is why we have all of the fighting in the Middle East. This is why we have such great hostility against the Jews in Israel and the Arab nations. It's all because of this that happened right here. This is the reason. You know, it's like, yes, there's a little bit of a peace agreement that's going on. And thank God that President Trump has initiated this thing. And there's some Arab nations that are coming alongside Israel right now. But for the most part, the majority of Arabs can't stand the Jewish people. And this is why. This is where it all started. With this great resentment towards who? It's the resentment that Ishmael will have against the promised son that will eventually come Isaac. And this is where the division started. It's all right here. And as God put it in verse 12, this wild donkey of a man to be born is the founder of these Arab nations. And we will see this start with great resentment towards, again, his future brother, the promised son of Abraham, Isaac. Yes, this jealousy still exists where the Arab nations feel that the promised son of Abraham was Ishmael. See, they say, we're the chosen people. See, we're the ones because Ishmael was Abraham's firstborn. And that's where the Arab nations are so resentful to the Jewish people because they say, we're the promised ones. And guess what? It was Isaac. It was always Isaac. Ishmael was never supposed to happen. It's just, so it's not true. The promised son is through Isaac, the one that came through Sarah's womb. We will see that in the coming chapters, which brings up our third and final point, God's plan re-embraced. For throughout the whole Bible, we can clearly see the true heart of God, his far-reaching hand to all those who have slipped up, all those who have messed up, all those who have fallen into the hotbed of sin and made bad decisions. It goes all the way back to the very first couple, Adam and Eve in the garden, when God said, where are you? God would come down in the cool of the day. He would hang out with Adam and Eve. They would come, oh, daddy's in the garden. Let's go see daddy. But no, not this time. God came down in the cool of the day and it's like, Hey, where are you? As if God didn't know. Adam's like, uh, we're hiding in the willy bushes. Why are you hiding in the willy bushes? Well, because we're naked. Well, who who told you you were naked? Uh, Well, uh, uh, did you eat of the fruit that I told you not to eat of? Uh, Well, it was the wife that you gave me. It was a double-barreled slam, you know. It's that woman that you gave me. It's not my fault, you know. I was taking a nap. I woke up, and there she was, a naked woman. It's not my fault. You gave her to me. It's like, no, there was no complaints on that day. But, But see, again, but where was God? He came to them in their sin and in their bad decision, just like he came to the disciples. Remember when the women came to the empty tomb? Look how much grace God showed there. He came to the empty tomb and the, the, the women came there and there was angels there. And they said, why are you looking for the living one among the dead? He is not dead. He is risen. And they're like, oh, would you, what, what, what's happening here? Yes, Jesus is risen. He's not dead. He's not in the tomb. We've been to the tomb. We've been there. It's still empty. Okay, so what did the angels say to the women? Go tell the disciples and Peter. 
Now, why did he add that? And Peter. It was, again, the graciousness of God. Because you remember Peter? Remember on the final night at the Last Supper, just hours before they would come and get Jesus and start beating him to crucify him? Remember Peter's like, hey, Lord, just want to let you know, though all of these, you know, peons here will reject you, I will never reject you. Who's he talking to? He's talking to the other 11 disciples. Though all of these will turn their back on you, though all of these will turn away from you, not me, not Peter. Remember, I'm Peter. My name's Petros. I'm a rock. And Jesus looks at him and says, you know, Peter, uh, just in a couple hours when the rooster crows, here the next morning, you will have already denied me three times. And Peter's like, what are you talking about? Not going to happen. What are you talking about? And then what happened? They went to the garden, Gethsemane. They prayed for a little while. Actually, Jesus prayed. The disciples slept. But anyway, they came and they nabbed him as Judas Iscariot deceived him and turned him over to those who came to arrest him. And they started beating him. And so Peter followed at a distance. And at a distance, he kept getting spotted like, hey, you're one of them. He's like, no, I'm not. And so he denies the Lord. And on the third time, the Bible says he started cursing. So who knows if he's dropping F-bombs or what, but he's cursing. I never knew the man. And then right then, the rooster crows. And he's thinking, oh, no, I just denied him again the third time, just as Jesus said. And to make it even worse, one of the gospels says that they were bringing Jesus to the courtyard, and he locked eyes with him. What would you feel like right there? Just hours ago, you're like, Lord, I will never deny you. Though all of these deny you, I will never deny you. And there you are denying, just like the Lord said, the third time. And then you lock eyes with Jesus. I'm sure Jesus didn't look at him like, yeah, I told you, Peter, Mr. Rock. I'm sure he just looked at him like, Peter, don't trust in your own strength. And he just walked by. But Peter, it says, he went out and he wept bitterly. How would you have wept then? Oh, my, could you imagine doing that? Like, oh, God, how could I have done this? How could I have done this? But look at the grace that the angel showed. Go tell the disciples and Peter. See, that's the grace and the mercy and the long-suffering that God has for us. We think, oh, God could never love me after this. God could never love me. I've gone too far. I've done the worst thing. And yet he does. God is always reaching out to those who mess up, those who fall down, those who butcher their life up. Listen to what he says in Joel 2.12. He says, yet even now declares the Lord, return to me with all of your heart and with fasting and weeping and mourning and rend your heart and not your garments. See, they used to tear their clothes in the sign of repentance. Oh, I'm so sorry, God. He says, save your clothes, but rip your heart. Okay, get a little deeper. Save your clothes, rip your heart. Now return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious. He is compassionate. God is slow to anger. He is abounding in loving kindness, and he's relenting of evil. That's how God feels about us. You know, sometimes, you ever remember that arcade game, like you go to these old school arcades, you know, they got the whack-a-mole, you know, so the little mole pops up in like 10 places, and you got a mallet, and you're beating the whack-a-mole, 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 and you're just beating. Sometimes we think God's like that. He's got a big mallet, and he's just, oh, let me add him. Let me just beat him, you know. They, they, they sinned. They did the same thing six times in a row. Let me just whack-a-mole him a few. That's not God's attitude. He doesn't want to whack-a-mole you. Whack a Cindy, you know, it's like whack a Joe, you know. <laughs> but anyway, but that's not God's heart. That's not his desire. We are to return to him. 
That word returned in the Hebrew can be translated two different ways. First, as believers who skipped the path of righteousness, it means to retreat to the starting point. So what God is saying to the believer, he's saying, you know, find out, go back to where you took the shortcut. Just let's go back there and let's move on. Forgetting those things which are behind, let's move on. So let's just pick up, let's get back, and let's get moving again. Second, it's to a non-believer. Those who have never surrendered their heart to Christ, they are to return to God's original plan to salvation. God created us to have fellowship with him. We need to stop fighting and we need to return to the Lord. God's just saying, look, if you're a believer, it's gone off the path. You need to return. If you're a non-believer, you need to surrender your life. But both of you just come home. Come home. Come back to your maker is what he's saying. Yes, we can, you know, we can use us. You know, God can use us. Even if we failed many times in the past to accomplish his refining work in others. Now, each of us who have failed can actually lead others to Christ. And that's why God wants to use us as the voice piece to other people. Just last Monday, I had to go to Orange County. And so I ended up getting down there like eight o'clock and I found that I had this appointment and then I had to come back at five. So I was going to be there all day. So I I didn't want to try to fight traffic back to L.A. and then to fight traffic to come back. So I just stayed in Orange County all day. So I text a friend of mine because uh, he had got this uh, AC Cobra. Okay, so uh, when Carroll Shelby was building AC Cobras, that's a little two-seat sports car back in 1965, they actually had a warehouse of 50 bodies and 50 frames left that they never built. And so they took those 50 and they built original AC Cobras. And a friend of mine bought one and he got took possession of it like six months months ago. So I never seen it. So I just, you know, I'm thinking, well, I'm all, I'm down here for a while. I text him. I go, Hey, what's the chance of coming over and look at it? He goes, yeah, come on over. And I'm like, yes. So anyway, I went over there and then, so I'm looking like, Oh, this is awesome. And then we just talk, 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 talk. You know, he's a, a really solid believer in Christ. And, and so we're just having fellowship together and talking. And then it got to be lunchtime. He goes, you want to go do lunch? I'm like, is Jesus Lord? I mean, yes, of course I want to do lunch. He goes, well, where do you want to go? And I'm like, well, you know, the two best shredded beef tacos, beans, and rice on the planet is here at El Matador in Newport. And I'm just like going, hey, man, can we go there? There is so much lard in those beans that your arteries clog on the first bite. It's so good, though. And their chips and salsa. So we get there, and I'm just like, this is glorious. I mean, who would have thought I'm going to be eating two shredded beef tacos, beans, and rice? So anyway, the, the waiter walks over, and he comes up to the table. You know, this is before the chips and salsa have landed. And uh, and he goes, uh, hey, yeah, all right, I'm going to be your servant. And I said, hey, young man, when's the last time someone told you there's a God in heaven that loves you? Then he's just like, oh, well, now no one. And man, I'm just, I'm not walking right with God. And my mom is on me. And man, I'm hanging out with the wrong crowd. And, I mean, he's pouring his heart out of the table. So, so me and my friend, we just start sharing the gospel with him. And we're just sharing with him and sharing with him. And so anyway, I said, you know, I was here like four years ago. I was at that table right over there. And I said, I was sharing with another waiter here at this same restaurant. And I asked him right here, right now, would you like to give your life to Jesus Christ? And he prayed standing up at the table right here four years ago i said you could do the same thing right now and he goes i'd like to do that so here we are the place is packed everyone's scarfing tacos and it's like this guy bows his head prays and asks christ in his heart as a savior remember the crown of life is for those who endure on this side of heaven not for those who escape 
The afflictions we all face are God's agents to work out his eternal weight of glory in our lives. I wonder how much of our treasure in heaven will depend on how we handled our earthly hardships. Let's not forget bad choices. They rob us of God's peace. Bad choices rob us of God's joy. They rob those that are around us from the message of hope because we're all convicted and we're all, you know, feeling like lousy, worthless sinners. So, so we don't share our faith because we're all under walking under a cloud. And so it rips everybody off. Everyone loses. How much of our treasure in heaven is going to depend on how we handle these things? Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app, available on iOS and Android. Core Church is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA to 77977. You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org as well as writing to P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. 